you think you have some kind of control in life. And all of a sudden when you have a kid, you're like, you know, if you really think about it, you're like, not just like the logistics of like taking care of a kid, but you're like, this person looks like you. They have like your hands and your face and you love them more than anything. And you're like, you just know that the world is tough and scary and sucky and there's bad things that happen. And you're like, no, you don't want this kid to experience any pain. Hello, friends, and welcome to Create Connect Cast number two in March 2021. Today, we're going to be having a conversation with Ben. Ben is a husband, a father, a music connoisseur, and a pastor in the Central Coast of California. We get to talk about authenticity in music, cultural divides, the scary parts and the rewarding parts of parenting, and many things in between. I hope you enjoy. Welcome, Ben, to Create Connect Cast. How are you doing tonight? You did good, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So thanks so much for sharing some of your valuable time with us. And as a sort of a jumping off point, uh, I wanted to quickly touch on sort of your eclectic music taste. Uh, oh. you, shared, you shared a handful of songs that sort of uh, ranged all the way from Kendrick Lamar to Pearl Jam. And so I was kind of curious, do you play any music personally? Um, I do not. I mean, I have a guitar. You know, my parents are both really musical. And actually in high school, yeah. I, I was in um, I was in a little pop punk band. We were horrible, but but I sang. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I grew up listening to a variety of things. I was really into punk all in high school and everything. And Yeah, and I... Music, you know, it's funny, like, um, music's something I, I feel like I'm kind of a, a snob about, even though I'm not, like, okay. a real musician. For whatever reason, you know, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty open about most things, but if I don't, if I don't like a brand of music, style of music, it's just hard to digest. I mean, it, you know, some people have, like, like, flavor, you know, they just can't do cilantro or whatever. I'm like, there's certain types yeah. of music I just... You know, I just can't do. Okay. So <laughs> having come from a musical background and having developed a very specific taste in music, although it has a lot of variety, what would you say would be music that has had a profound impact on your life? I think it goes in stages. You know, I okay. mean, I think we all go back to to moments, you know, with music. You know, you you, you remember yourself driving to a party or you know to a friend's house or something in high school and sunset and it just certain albums certain music just takes you back to places so but in general i've always been really i don't know i, I feel like something's raw real authentic you know i just i always really liked the kind of music that didn't feel like overly commercialized at some level i don't yeah. know there's like an authentic miss to it where it feels like the artists themselves wrote the music and it's who they are you know and and so whether it's kind of outlaw country or indie country or or kind of hip-hop or punk rock you know i've always liked the i always i always resonate resonate like with the artists who they are you know you hear something a good song yeah. and you just like you go google the person and try to figure out where they're from and 
are they really living the life they're singing about? You know, like those sorts of artists always kind of get my soul. Okay. So you like, you like authenticity. Um, yeah. And you like to just get a little bit of a window in that person's experience and their life. And then you in turn can then get from that nostalgia where there's those, those moments in time where that music melds together with that memory. And that's really what the, the heart of music is for you and why you've developed such sort of a diverse and eclectic, although very specific taste. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's a great summary. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's a lot to do with personality type. You know, I'm like, um, you know, I think I'm a kind of a, a lot of folks today are, are kind of a patchwork self. You know, they, they have different identities that they resonate with uh, at different periods of their life or, you know, they, people with like unique hobbies yeah. or, you know, and I've always been that person that's like, I like to sample a lot of different things. And, and I always wished, I always wished that, I was like more singular in my focus, but I think a lot of different things intrigue me. And so I think, um, okay. So yeah, you like variety. Yeah. Yeah. Variety. So kind of speaking about that in terms of how you have those positive memories, those moments of nostalgia, those points of connection back into the past. If there was something that you could go back and tell yourself, your younger self, 10 or even 20 years ago, what would it be? Well, there's all the, you know, the big philosophical things that you would tell yourself, you know, not sweat the small stuff and, um, you know, choosing the right paths earlier on and, you know, all those kinds of things you'd tell, I would tell myself, but, um, you know, I think some of the practical ones, you know, I think, man, I, I always wish I would have like started playing music, uh, learned guitar or piano early on, you know, I could tell myself that I would have also like, you know, wrestled early, and, you know, I would have wrestled and I was think that, that'd be fun. I wish I was, you know, you see dudes nowadays with like colorful hour ear and stuff and like, those guys are cool. So, you know. <laughs> uh, so those are like some of the, kind of the shallower ones, but you know, all the deeper ones, you know, like picking the right friends and, and investing in people that are going to build you up and being kinder. You know, I wish I was, I wish I was kinder to my, to my younger brother, no doubt. I wish I was yeah. insecure. Um, I wish I would listen to my parents more, you know, all that kind of stuff, but, but you know, okay. Yeah, mistakes are part of who we are as well. Yeah, so touching real briefly on even just talking about, you know, finding the right direction more quickly or something along those lines. What are your thoughts on perhaps the idea that the only reason that you ultimately find the right path is because of the ways that you erred or went the wrong direction? Do you think that there's any any validity to that? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, that's the human story, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor, you know, and and I do think that that's the story that that we we understand. You know, you don't see light without a shadow. And I think it's hard to I think it's hard to understand how how good 
you know, decisions are in life and what kind of joy there is and what kind of life there is and, and doing the right thing. Um, you know, we always want to touch the hot stove, you know, it's just, it's in our nature. You know, we're just, we don't trust that what God has done for us and the way he created us to be is the best way. You know, that's the, we grasp for, for power and authority and autonomy apart from who God says we are. So I don't know. I don't know if like, you know, there's a lot of great lessons I've learned in life without having to, you know, have a, you know, a difficult moment. You know, that was, that was the teacher for me, but, but certainly those difficult moments, um, if you, if you can step back and evaluate tough seasons and if you look in the mirror, you know, sometimes you can discover some things about, about yourself I think having really good friendships, I think that's another, I would tell myself that, but I think that's also a discovery. You know, when you have good people around you that yeah, tell you the 100%. truth, you know, there's, there's life there. And sometimes and the reality is good people are going to tell you hard things. And uh, sometimes they will. Yeah, they will. They will. Well, I mean, bad people tell you hard things too, but I think, that, <laughs> you know, the difference is when yeah. you, have, you have good people that you trust and who love you and care about you. You know, it's a, it can be a gift if, if they're in for restoration and if they're standing by your side, no matter what, you know, then people earn that right to be, to really love you, you know, which yeah. sometimes hurts. So let's talk about this a little bit. So you, you went to seminary, correct? Yep. And how many, how many years ago was that, that, that you went to seminary? Uh, it was like a seven year process okay. for me. And, uh, and when, finished, when did you finish? Uh, I believe it was 2013. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 2013, so, 2013. so you kind of finish off that and then get more involved as a pastor. And so this yeah. is something that, that you've now been doing for, it's fair to say, close to 10 years. Yeah. I got, I got licensed as a pastor uh, maybe 14 years ago. You know, in seminary okay. was, so I, I went to undergrad at a Christian university and wasn't looking to get into ministry. I just found myself ministering to people and didn't know what it was exactly. You know, I didn't think, oh, I'm going into ministry. I just wanted to connect people to God the best I could and point people to his goodness. And then I also wanted to connect people into real friendship and a real community. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, that's what ministry is. I'm like, oh, this is, I'll do that. That's awesome. So yeah, so I started working at a church in 2002 Started seminary 2005 and finished, I think, 2011 or 12 or 13. So Okay. So it was yeah. a long process, but yeah. you were also like right in the middle of sort of the day-to-day life and day-to-day operation yeah, that absolutely. goes on with that. Yeah. So as somebody that it's fair to say is somewhat of, of an insider within the American church, or at least a little segment of it, what, in your view, would you say is maybe a major failure or a major shortcoming of the American church? Man, there's there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, I think I think the church has to really wrestle with um, desire for for power, control, siding with I mean, politically, uh, allowing church and politics and. And the values of of maybe uh, our nation 
even uh, supersede that of that of the rule of Christ. So I think. So, so do you think that there's sort of like a weird kind of fusion that's occurred somewhat between maybe some traditional ideas of American patriotism taking like almost almost a, a central or a primary role over what might have been historically considered the the core ideas of Christianity. Absolutely. And I, I, I think, you know, every culture appropriates the person of Christ, you know, to, to fit their, their means, you know, eventually, you know, I think, I think there's always a, a quest for, you know, what, where, where would our roots really be traceable? You know, how, at what level have we, have we compromised? Uh, you know, and, and I think, I think the American church is going to look American. You know, the Indonesian church looks Indonesian. You know, so I think it's, you know, it's called syncretism. I think you think those values and um, belief systems in any culture gets embedded in, because in, it's embedded in the people that live out this faith. So over time, you know, American Christianity, that's a very broad term. You know, it's like, yeah. There's a lot of different. There's a lot of different uh, camps that that you can, you can point to, but yeah. also there's a broader overarching culture, which would probably Absolutely. be the fair connective thing to talk about. Correct, correct. And so the values of the culture, they need to be contended with and wrestled with, and and I think we always have three options. You know, when when engaging culture, you know, we can. Uh, we can assimilate to the culture or we just look just like the culture. We can uh, isolate and try to build our little wall around ourselves and our community and try to isolate ourselves from the world. Uh, or we can engage, you know, when you really engage with the world, it's a, uh, it's a give and take and it's a back and forth and it's messy, but, but I think it's the only you know, real option that we have, you know, as, as people yeah. of faith because of that engagement, you know, for, for better and for worse, you know, our faith uh, takes on a particular uh, brand, you know. And so, uh, so it's the reason we look the way we look. And this, that is the reason our whole country is dealing with, you know, the, the big issues that our country is dealing with, you know, racism and you know, systemic racism and how we understand uh, the role of church and, you know, white supremacy. And, you know, that's, that's a big one that the church needs to contend with. You know, how we how we be people of justice and mercy, and knowing that our past is just marred with uh, some really difficult and atrocious realities. Yeah, a legacy of racism, a legacy mm-hmm. of uh, white supremacy, or even just racist action and ideology. Where do you see that? in terms of how it would still be affecting us today and what do you think is is a good approach or a good solution if not even a solution but even just a a way to engage with people that have been wounded by that legacy or are still living in the middle of it yeah well it's difficult because you know i mean you know one of the things i i set out to do during this pandemic and Especially once you know the George Floyd killing happened, it was a uh, a lot of Christians I knew, a lot of pastors I know. Um, for whatever reason, you know, there's, it's a complex situation, but 
it was in the forefront, you know, race was in the forefront. And so in our culture, it's everywhere. And so I think, I think, you know, step one, you know, it's just trying to, trying to be a good listener and trying to just with this kind of uprising, you know, there, there's a lot of factors, but, but just trying to get out of the way of, of saying, you know, I know what the solution is, or I understand the problem. I, I think it's just, it's taking a humble posture as the best you can and saying, okay, let me be a learner. And, um, and that's difficult. You know, it's, you know, there's some things that I've really opened my eyes to. And there's other things that I'm, I'm still wrestling with and things that I don't buy. And, and I, I really value the conversation. And I think that's, that's, maybe the most frustrating aspect of, of like race and, um, you know, among other hot topics in our culture today is there's the lack of civility and, and honest dialogue and the ability to be wrong even and, and question and, and wrestle with complex topics and, and push back, you know, like, you know, there, there's certain, certain questions you can't ask and, certain um even talking about this kind of like coded you know it's like you know i don't want to offend anybody so it's it's a it's a weird dance and uh well it's fair to say then that you're saying that instead of providing solutions maybe a part or a piece of the solution is taking the time to just sit down listen hear some people out that have vastly different perspectives or personal experiences and try to get to more of the heart of the issue instead of sort of the, the slogans that are getting lobbed back and forth in our culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think in theory, most people would say, yeah, that's what I want to do too. You know what I think? But it's hard when somebody's coming at you as though, you know, you bear personal responsibility for something you don't feel that you bear personal responsibility for, or they're describing a vision or experience of this country that is worlds away from anything that you ever thought was true. Your reflex is to sort of disagree and debate instead of sit down and hear out and try to understand where, where they're coming from and what sort of pains and issues that they've they've gone through and and lived in right absolutely and i and i think there's even within that you know that if we could do what you just said perfectly you know the reality is that you still might never get it you will you know there's you can't be in someone else's skin you know you can't you can't understand what someone else is feeling or thinking you can try but you know, my fear is that people would just get so tired of not even being able to be civil about it, that they just, they just retreat to their corners and just tribe up and, you know, we're just more and more divided. Yeah. But I I think you got to try. I mean, there's no other, like I said, you got to engage. There's, there's no other option. Yeah, and I think we had briefly uh, talked about this in the past where it is really trying to make an appeal to common humanity as as opposed to making an argument towards common enemy, mm-hmm. um, where 
appealing to a common enemy is obviously a very powerful motivation and tactic, but the most successful uh, proponents of healing some of these wounds and making progress towards a better future have often been able to do so throughout human history via appeal to common humanity. If we could maybe step out of our bunkers for a few moments and try to find some commonality and some points of connection and even just ways in a very small or large sense that we could maybe step in and make real positive change in a way that helps rectify some of these past wrongs without necessarily talking about demonizing or vilifying people where we have points of disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. Shifting gears here a little bit, you are a husband and a father. Mm -hmm. I've been led to, I've been led to believe (laughs) you have, you have uh, a wife, you have three kids, correct? Yep. Yep. And how long have you been married? Uh, 18 years. Okay. Yeah. So 18. So once again, charging, charging towards that two decades. Yep. If you could think of what is like one of your favorite parts about being married and then on the flip side of that, what is or was one of the most challenging parts about being married? Oh man, is this uh, for you personally? Is this like uh... no? This is just hearing your perspective as somebody <laughs> that made it long past the expiration date of yeah. many marriages in this country, uh, and yeah. somebody that made it far less than uh, the end of some marriages. But I'd say yeah. that as you charge towards two decades of marriage, you've probably done something that has that has maybe been different than the route that a lot of relationships or marriages took yeah yeah it's funny i don't really think of it that way usually yeah it's that's an interesting perspective um now that you're right so the question was what, what do i like about like what's one of your favorite parts of being married and what currently is or was one of the biggest challenges that you faced in marriage so you, you can kind of yeah. choose the the challenge or the favorite as as you as you choose yeah. Well, I mean, it, it sounds cliche, but it, it's honestly not. Um, you know, I, I love my wife more today than I did when, on our wedding day. You know, it's like, you know, that's the, that's the gift, you know, it's, um, I, I know she would say the same about me and it's not, it's not because we, every day is bliss, but, but we've been, you know, there's a steady, commitment that we have to each other and and undergirding that you know it's a a love for for each other love for god and and then the way that manifests i mean we just we just have fun together you know we just we still have dates on the couch and you know it's awesome when we get the kids to bed and a little fire (laughs) have a little drink and watch some tv and hang out it's like oh yeah you're hanging with this person that you three children with and lived in a number of houses and you know, all these experiences that we have together, you know, when something happens during the day, you know, we're probably texting, you know, multiple times a day, just random stuff, fun stuff, kid stuff, hard stuff. And it's just like, it's just a union, you know, we're just, we're our own people, but we definitely, 
it's hard to think of my life without my wife. So, so it's safe yeah. to say you're you're on the same team, and you've built an incredible friendship over the years to supplement sort of your romantic relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that goes hand hand in hand with it. So yeah. what what was what was hard about it? What was what was something that really took a lot of adjustment or something that was a was a real challenge in stepping into that significant change in mode of life? I think just in general, like um, you know, just different expectations. You know, it's it's uh, what your expectations are for for your days off, for for what a clean house looks like, for you know what's sometimes right and wrong. I mean, it's like, there's so many things to disagree about and, and it's just really hard to, to hear this other human being who's very different than you, which is, you know, one of the reasons why you're attracted to them. And, uh, and you're trying to find, find a way that both people can totally be who they are, who they've been created to be, you know, with their gifts and skills and, and our flaws you know, and you bring all that to the table. So, you know, I think for us, the, the most difficult thing would have been the earliest parts of, you know, first probably two, three years of marriage. We got married so young. You know, we dated for like four or five years and we got married yeah. at like tw- 22 and 20. And I'm like, wow. we're babies. It's like we, a high school relationship. So, yeah, we had, <laughs> we had yeah. high school and all of a sudden it's like, it was. You know, we're, we're t- these two kids that just got out of college and we're married. And I'm like, you know, I drove a car that that had a fake tachometer on it. And it was spray painted with flames and lightning bolts. You know, I'm like, all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like a grown up and I'm trying to like be a husband, you know, and she's like, was in junior college living in her parents' house. And all of a sudden, we're like, have an apartment and or in a covenant of marriage. Okay. What do we do now? You know? So it was, uh, yeah. it was difficult. The first couple of years were really tough. It was just tough, tough. And we just had to grow up. So you got hurled into adulthood really quickly. Yeah. Sort of, you know, when you, yeah. when you, when you I think we, you know, I was so prideful. I, I thought, well, yeah, I get, you know, I get, help put myself through college, you know, mostly put myself through college. And, you know, my parents had a good marriage. Her parents had a good marriage. It's like, how hard could it be? You know, I was like, you know, we, we, <laughs> we each brought a bunch of baggage, you know, in their yeah. own, we all do. But, but beyond that, we're just so young. So did you find like, as you were rapidly, kind of being forced to adapt to like this whole new dynamic was it was it sort of just getting advice from older couples was it going and sitting down and and talking to somebody like a counselor or something like that was like what 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 strategies did you manage to employ to try to basically catapult rapidly into like a very distinct and different point of life where you're kind of just basically trying to figure another person out and trying Mm. to readjust and reorient your life as you've known it to now be a a real partnership, like a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Well, I think, um, first of all, we were committed. So I think, you know, I think we just try to 
take it off the table. You know, we're not going to get divorced. You know, you, you know, you got to position yourself, you know, they're like, okay, this is, even though it's really tough, like we're, we're going to stick with it. So there's, there's that. And then there's, um, you know, there's, I'm a big proponent of counseling and counselors and good ones, good counselors. Um, so we had counseling, you know, we each did some of our own counseling. We did some marriage counseling. Um, so are we talking like therapy, like that, yeah, that kind of vein? Yeah. 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 Okay. Digging, digging back in your past and looking yeah. at patterns and, and why you, why you see the world this way, why you act this way and all that stuff. So you, you got to look back to go forward. So, especially when yeah. you're young, and I think there's a misnomer too. You know, I think a lot of folks think that as they get older, they just simply get wiser or that they just get more mature. And I'm like, so, sometimes, but I mean, you meet a lot of people that are my age, they're 40 and they're getting married right now, but all they've done is, you know, what they want forever. And then they, it's not like a light switch, you know, you know, you don't yeah. just. It's a process. It's a process. Yeah. You, you turn. So you don't, I'll get mature when I turn this age. You know, it's not a life kicks your butt. We are fortunate to have a good foundation and, and some some grit, but but we were also very blessed to have some good counselors, therapists, um, some good friend groups. You know, I think that's man, you know, my wife is having babies and her friends are having babies and we're all doing some community together. There's there's something really special there. Um, yeah, and I can't say enough about the importance of friendships. And I think friendships matter so much. We got some really good friends today that you know we do life with. And our kids are friends, and yeah, and then, yeah like kind of a, the family, the family you chose. Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah. I, I throw on my uh, collective music and barbecue and have a beer. And <laughs> sun's going down, and yeah, wives are out having a drink by the fire and kids are on trampolines and you're like, Oh man, yeah, this is, this is, this is good. You know? And, yeah. And it's a moment. You know, it's a moment. Life's not always like that, but you know, those are good moments. And, uh, yeah. You kind of need those, those moments of, of goodness and, and light and in contrast to where things do get gritty and, and tough and yeah. you just appreciate them all the more. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Speaking speaking of the kids over there on the trampoline, you have three kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Your oldest is is in high school now, correct? Yep. yep, fourteen. Yeah, just just going off into that whole minefield. As you kind of have spent all this time building a marriage, raising kids, getting your perspective on on life and and even having some things that you would go back and tell yourself when you're younger what would you say you think is an important thing that your kids should learn and it doesn't have to be a one thing but are there like mm-hmm. a handful of things or any sort of thing that you would really like your kids to venture out into life with yeah you know i think you know, when they leave the house you know i want them Number one, you know, I want them to know that that God loves them, like truly knows them, loves them. That if if that's number one for me, my kids know that they're loved by a good God who's with them. That's number one. Second, you know, I would I would really like my my kids to to know um, how much we like them. 
You know, it's like you raise kids and, you know, you want them to be responsible and respectful and all that. But I hope my kids really know that we like them. Like, I really like their funny personalities and what they're good at and, and their shortcomings. And they're, they're liked by us. We love them, but we like them a lot. Um, as far as skills and everything go, you know, you hope that they're confident, you know, that they're confident, that they're, and they all have such different personality types. So I, I hope that they would be just the healthiest version of themselves that they can be while leaving the house and, and knowing, you know, I would hope that they would feel equipped and you know, accomplished enough to, to go out and do what they, they feel like they're supposed to do, you know? Okay. So as much as possible, you know, you got to learn, but I would hope that they have like a kind of an internal piece to some level that, about who, who they are, their, their identity. I would hope that it's, it was formed enough so that whatever they decide to do, that they would know how to, that they would know a bit who they are, you know? So to so hone in on that a little bit is that you said that you really want your kids to know that you like them. You've seen them from the beginning of their lives to their adolescence or their childhood. You're basically saying that you don't, you don't want them to have to have some sort of like a chip on their shoulder or feel like they didn't measure up to some arbitrary or obscure standard, but instead they just enjoy love and acceptance of their parents as they are. Would you say that that would be something that you yourself desired growing up? And is that something that, that you feel that got that and you want to pass it on or it was something that you just didn't really get and you want to change that up in your family? Yeah. I, you know, I think it's probably a mixture of both, you know, it's like, yeah. um, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of young people in my life. Um, you started off working with youth, right? Yeah. I was a youth yeah. pastor for you know, 13, 14 years. So I've, yeah. I've been in a different role for the past four or five years, but but my heart is for, for young people, you know, because there's so much identity formation happening and, and imprinting. Yep. And, and so I think a lot of, like, it is myself, but it, I think it's also just see how important, um, how important security of, of knowing that, that you're not a burden, that, that you're wanted, that your parents chose to have you. That no matter what the flaws are, that there's a level of parental love that that we all just needed, and all of, none of us can get it perfectly, you know. So some of yep. them are a lot worse than others, and a lot better than others, and I've heard some incredibly heartbreaking stories. I know a lot of them, and I was fortunate to have some pretty good, consistent parents, you know, that that love me. And but, you know, I think we all have mommy and daddy issues. You know, I haven't met anybody that hasn't, you know. So, so yeah, I think some of it might be a, a reaction, you know, some, some sorts, you know, like, you know, you try to fit into your parents' world growing up, you know, you want that attention, you know, even if you don't state it, you don't think you do, you know, yeah. you, you just want to know that, that you're going to be okay. And that the people that are closest to you, like, like, like that you're around, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of people don't get that, you know? A lot of people feel like they're a burden to their parents that they need to take care of them or, or they never received affection or 
a hug or, you know, the, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, and my parents, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. And, and sometimes I felt it would have been nice to be kind of lavished upon a little more, you know, and again, that's, yeah. that's nitpicky, but, but, you know, you know, I, I wished, yeah, I, I think I, I tend to you know, do a lot of gifts and fun things for my kids. And, uh, and honestly, there's a, there's a shadow side to that too. I mean, I think the, the pendulum swings oftentimes in our parenting and, uh, I think, oh, when, I think when you're young, you're like, I'm going to do it different. And then you just realize, yeah. you realize, man, it's. Well, there, there's even just the way that different people receive love, right? So if, if you have a kid that they, they receive love in means of a gift that somebody thoughtfully conceived of and went out and worked to get, then they're going to receive that so much more. Whereas if it's more like a kid that needs quality time and all you're doing right. is just buying them the latest thing and ignoring mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. One, one, one kid is going to feel like, oh man, my parents are so supportive and they're they're so loving of me and then the other ones are just going to feel like yeah my, my parents could care less about me even though yeah. you might be trying to express your care in the same way towards both kids no doubt i mean you look at a house full with uh you know i got two brothers you know if we sat down and, you know and you didn't know three of us you know we all described the household we grew up in we would all have you know, it would sound like a different household sound like there were yeah. different parents you know in reality they're the same parents but what we experienced from them or or what they were good at giving to to different ones of us you know what what was natural for them might have been what i needed you know but maybe my brother needed something different so parenting is so tough because yeah, each kid is so unique and um and it, it challenges me as a parent to pace with each kid and figure out where they best need to receive love and what good care looks like for them and even what healthy discipline looks like for them, you know, and and it's different for each person. And I'm, you know, it's, it's, that's a lot of work, you know, for, for another flawed person to try to love a variety of other people really well in a way that makes sense to them is, is it's tough. It's impossible so, to do it perfectly, but but you can sure try, right? <laughs> you you go can for en- it. you can endeavor towards it. So yeah, what I really got from that is that you just have this profound desire to have your kids have a really solid foundation of knowing that whatever they go off and and do, whatever they pursue after, they have parents that are really rooting for them, are supportive mm-hmm. of them and really just have their best interest at heart no matter what. Yeah. And that's such a that's such a like safe and supportive foundation to be walking away from and it's almost like almost the very definition of what a home should be ideally. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, where really. everybody is your ally and everybody's on your side and right. you know right. that no matter where you go, what you do, you can always go back there and find a place to be loved. Yeah. I mean, that's the vision. And I mean, yeah. and, and doing it is very difficult. And I, yeah, I don't want to sound like I all self-righteous. Like I do that. That's the vision. Yeah, that's the vision. On my best days, 
you know, if you actually stop and think about, oh, what am I doing with my kids? You know, you might have those thoughts. But, but yeah, the day-to-day, it doesn't always play out that way. But, but that's the goal. But you, but you would the hope that they, that they look back and they go, that's what, that's what the, the heart behind that was. That's what the intent behind that was. Yeah. And that's ultimately the relationship mm-hmm. that I enjoy with my parents is yeah. one that, that it's, it's flawed. It can be messy. But we look back and we say, yeah, that's that's what they were always pushing towards. And even when we fell short of it, we were able to work through it. What I I want to say, too, just really. Yeah, good. The end goal is not so that they think I'm a good guy or that my wife is a good person. That's not the point. You know, it's not like, oh, mom and dad tried hard. I can't complain. That's not it. It's that I just think when you're when you're so secure in your identity, about who, you know, you created in the image of God, he loves you and your parents love you. I, I just think what whatever you decide to do and how you do it, I think I think will will work out much better than if you if you go the inverse. So that that's what I'm trying to say. You know, so yeah. I think I think you're you're right about that. I like what you said about home. That that is what home really is. So what are, what are your thoughts on in even just by your own admission saying that you have this ideal and as so often in life you don't actually meet that ideal how is it navigating the dynamic of being a parent where you're supposed to be in some role of authority and responsibility but then also sometimes you just completely mess up and don't don't do the right thing mm-hmm. how do you navigate um admitting and coming to terms with those places where you where you messed up with your kids and sort of model to them a healthy way, reorient yourself when you find yourself going down the wrong path? That's a good question. You know, I, it's age appropriate. You know, so I think if, you know, at modeling it, you know, if, you know, say the, the youngest eight-year-old, you know, you, you lose your temper and you yell at it yell at her you know it's like if i was out of line and and i get that moment to apologize ask for forgiveness then i think we're, we're trying to model real life you know good living so there's no shortage of opportunities for that but but as far as like yeah i think it's age appropriate and you know, letting your kids in and what what they can handle um you know that's one of the things that when my dad died six years ago six years ago i think it was um, yeah, yeah. and uh it was fun like getting to know him as i as i started having kids and we started talking more it was i was able to see him more as like a you know he's still my dad but there was a a peer relationship that had been growing for a couple of years and uh yeah it's crazy to see your parents kind of like as as real humans <laughs> you know and, <laughs> you know, and uh and not these like sort of like landlords hovering above you, you know, doing yeah, their like understandable self, things. Right. Self-righteous landlords that don't have any yeah. problems with their own. Yeah. So, I mean, there's <laughs> this like, yeah, but I mean, it's not the kid's responsibility, ideally, to like parent the parents. But, but yeah, you, you help you model it. I mean, even in that, you know, trying to model those good things, there's something about like, you know, if, if every time you made a mistake, you just you just did the right thing you know it's like 
don't know. You're like, that's healthy, but there's a dark side to that too. You know, it's like, can I ever, can I ever like not do the right thing? You know, like my parents always do the right thing. So not advocating like, you know, doing the wrong thing on purpose, but but I don't know. I, I think it's just living close enough to them to where, you know, being intentional as much as possible that you hope they pick up, pick up what's modeled for better. And you just, you know, we know it doesn't work this way, but I would hope that they just forget everything negative that they experience and uh, from me. And uh, they see it through a lens or a perspective as though, like, yeah. I always knew dad had my back. I always knew he yeah. was on my side. I knew yeah. he was on my team. And yeah, he, my dad wasn't perfect, but right. he wasn't going to just hang on to this idea that I'm right, you're wrong. And he was always going to be willing, reason with me. And I would, yeah. I always knew that I could come back and I was, I was accepted there yeah. in that, in yeah. that home. Yep. And that's yeah. probably, I would, that's got to be the hardest. The hardest thing has to be, I think, especially with the younger kids. I don't know. I mean, I have a freshman in high school. You know, it's like, it's easy to think, you know, oh, they don't, they don't bring anything to the table or that their objections or their opinions or their frustrations, like they're not, they're not as valid. And the truth is, you know, we, your opinions are formed over time and your values are shaped over time. So but that's a hard one. That's a hard one to, as a parent that I, I think I'm trying to figure out how to, how to let your kids uh, have different convictions or opinions. Like, you know, how, how do you navigate that when you're trying to lead a household and, trying to shape them in a particular way and and you don't like some of the things they like or think or do. And you know, it, it's a tricky one as a parent. Like, you know, a lot of parents do the till you're out of the house or you know, 18 or whatever it is. Like this is, these are my rules. And there's no shifting in that. You know, here's what we think. Here's what we believe. So it's tricky. Like how, how do you set a course for what do you think is best and right and true and beautiful and good? And at the same time, let them experience some autonomy, you know, like, yeah, it, it, you don't have to correct everything, you know, but it's hard. You're probably, you're probably experiencing that in a real way now. Like as you, you start to engage with the first foray into adolescence where there's sort of that, give and take the push and pull of, you know, mm -hmm. desiring independence and autonomy and not just wanting to be the one that says, Oh, it's my house. It's my rules because mm -hmm. I said, so you can do that yeah. when they're, when they're, you know, they're, it's more concrete, you know, when they're young, it's like, don't touch the stove. You know, there's like, <laughs> you know, yeah. And now it's like, don't have, go out, go, don't go out and have fun with your friends. And it's like, wait, yeah. why, why is that a thing? Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's easy to be like, yeah, when we were your age, we didn't struggle with this or that. It's like, you know what? We're all the same. You know, the world changes, but it's the same type of kids are always trying to rebel and they need to, and they need to figure out who they are and, and what they believe. And, and then it's also a parent's job to, to protect and love and, and discipline and, and lead. And, you know, it's like, it's a, it's a dance. So trying to, help guide and mold these little tiny humans as they become into much larger humans, probably a, a little bit of a scary job, but I imagine 
one of the more rewarding things you could do with your time as well. That's terrifying. I remember, uh, I don't, I don't get anxious. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't get like panic attacks or anything like that. But I remember when my daughter was probably like six months old. I remember I, I woke up in the middle of the night one time, you know, my first kid, I just woke up with this like terrified, like feeling like I cannot protect this kid. Like, what did I do? You know, we, we have this <laughs> kid and the world uh. is going to eat him alive. Like, and I, you think you have some kind of control in life. And all of a sudden when you have a kid, you're like, you know, if you really think about it, you're like, not just like the logistics of like taking care of a kid, but you're like, this person looks like you. They have like your hands and your face and you love them more than anything. And you're like, you just know that the world is tough and scary and sucky and there's bad things that happen. And you're like, no, you don't want this kid to experience any pain or loneliness or sadness. They have, they have your harm. genetics too. You know, they have your yeah. genetics. It's like, what did I pass to them? <laughs> Yeah, I, I give them all my baby fat. So, <laughs> oh man, yeah, was, uh, yeah but uh, yeah, it's scary. But it's good. You're right. I mean, it's it's the best though. It is being married is awesome, and having kids is awesome, and it's also really tough. So, there's very few things worth doing in life that aren't difficult. Yeah. Yeah, and we know that. You know, people say that. It's like, I, I agree. I mean, long term, even go back to your question on like, what would you tell yourself? At some level, you, know, you get older and you just realize like, all the things that matter are the most difficult things. You know, doing the right things are, are the most difficult things. But you're like, well, I still like comfort. I still like security. I still like making pizzas at 11 at night. You know, I was a. 41 year old man and i know i shouldn't but you're like <laughs> but it's yeah. pizza yeah yeah, cause, Come on. Cause, yeah. Oh, so man. yeah yeah it's just it's weird it's weird being an adult do you think it, yeah sometimes i don't even think of myself as an adult like hey you know yeah sometimes I feel like high school is more real you know you're like, yeah you haven't built up your own internal lies that you've told yourself you haven't built up this whole identity and facade instead you're just kind of like brand new person venturing out into the world and just experiencing things on a moment by moment basis yeah which is why we have those moments of nostalgia and a song can take us back to a car ride or whatever and it's like yeah you know it's when you felt the world was so small but it was also like it was your oyster you know it was like it was it was small, but you knew that there was a lot more out there and you were just waiting to discover it before yeah. you you saw it and you're like, oh, that kind of isn't what I thought it would be. Retreat back into my own my own little space. Yeah, you're starting on the journey on the yellow brick road, right? You're like, man, where yeah. is this going to take me? And then you get a little older and you peek behind the curtain. You're like, oh, oh okay. You know, I mean, I've actually never done any philosophical thinking about Wizard of Oz. So I don't know why that came up. But... <laughs> it's a good analogy. And I think most people are, are aware of that that piece of art. So th they'll be able to yeah. be like, all right, I get I get where you're coming from. Which is funny because I don't think I've ever actually thought about it as anything more than a kid's, kid's story. Movie. Yeah. yeah. 
that just came out. I'm like, oh yeah, pretty much. Maybe that's what it's about. I'm a little slow. You probably knew that when you're like four. <laughs> yeah, it's an existential crisis. Oh man, wow. So there's been a lot of really awesome insight and a lot of really cool ideas. I feel like I've I've learned from you, even just hearing, you know, your your perspectives over the years and the decades. If you flash forward a few decades from now, looking back on your career, you're in, you're in some form of maybe retirement. What do you want to be able to look back at as one of or a few of things that were most important that you did with your life? That's a super hard question. And if you if you yeah. want to take 10 seconds to think about it, I can just clip it out. <laughs> well, no, I was, I was thinking about saying some funny stuff, and I decided not to. I was like, man, I got, I was "Hit me like, with the comedy. Hit me with the jokes." Well, my first thought was, I was like, "Man, I'd love to look back at my life in twenty years and be like, man, that guy. That's crazy that I won the lotto six times in a row. Like, uh, <laughs> first time ever. Never will happen time again ever. in a billion years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing that this guy made the Olympics and high jump at forty-one. <laughs> So, he, he he became a, an android and suddenly was in the Olympics and they kicked him out, but then he got back in. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how Elon Musk uh, started asking me for uh, design advice. So he was begging you to start his yeah, colony on Mars. Ex- exactly. Yeah, you know, it's it's all the. I, I would hope. I would hope you know, someday when I can look back on my life, you know, I would uh, I would look at. I would hope that I'm, I'm I'm a more gracious, kind, loving human being. You know, I would hope that I hope that I could look back and uh, you can't control the fruit, but, but I, 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 would, I hope I make other people's lives better. I hope that I would leave this world pointing people to God's goodness, um, His kindness. Hope people love God more. Than they would have if they didn't know me. I'd hope that you know, my kids and my wife would know how much I care about them and cared about them. And, um, and I don't care if people remember me long term. You know, I, just, I hope that people's lives are better. And I hope that God is glorified. That's what I really, truly, and I, I think that's really. I think mean, that's about the best thing you can do in this world. So that's what I want. Leave it, leave it better than you found it, and having people having a more real experience of what it actually means to know the creator of the world, because yeah. one little short period in time, one of one of the people that he made was walking around down here. Yeah, and had had something of him to offer. It'd be great. That, that's a that's a good answer. I liked your jokes too, though. By the way, <laughs> yeah. But man, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to sort of sort of lay out some of some of your ideas and your perspective. Really appreciate it. And yeah, thanks for collaborating on a project to make the world a little bit more of a understanding and kinder place. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for listening. Absolutely.
Thank you for spending some of your valuable time listening to Create Connect Cast. If you'd like to reach out, feel free to email createconnectcast at gmail.com. And I hope that we can communicate again soon.